Hi, Greg here. Welcome to the Honest Bicycle Program, Volume 3 for 2018. The Honest Bicycle Program is brought to you by Health IQ. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that can offer special rates for the health conscious. You could head over to healthiq.com slash honestbicycle to learn more, take their quiz, and find out how you can qualify for lower rates on life insurance. The Health IQ Advantage is their unique mortality model on the health conscious. So they have lower rates for health conscious people like uh, people who are cyclists, for example, and ride at least 50 miles a week. They also look at uh, factors that might be more predictive of actual mortality for active people like waist to hip ratio instead of BMI, looking at cholesterol calculations and so on. So they take the customer through a journey, including things like the quiz. Uh, you can submit lifestyle data like your Strava account or RunKeeper or so on. Uh, from interest to starting the application, going through the underwriting to the policy, uh, all that is uh, going through the whole journey, not just taking leads. So to find out if you qualify and to take the test, head on over again, once again, to honest, sorry, to healthiq.com slash honestbicycle. Uh, it really helps us out and we appreciate it. All right, this week, Mattia was off racing his track bike in another country. I'm sure he will tell us about that soon. So we subbed in a special guest, a special guest from the Wide Angle Podium Network uh, to, to fill in. And uh, we're going to go to that now. Just a little note about the show. Around an mm, hour and a half <laughs> into the show, you're going to hear the music. Uh, it's going to play. We're going to exit. We're going to fade to black. Uh, but if you like, um, if you want to continue to hear the nonsense that's being generated, uh, you can keep on listening. There's a whole after show after the show. But if you're done at an hour and a half, if you've heard enough, uh, by all means, uh, you can turn it off and delete that uh, episode. Uh, it's okay by us. Anyway, thanks for listening. Again, check out healthiq.com slash honestbicycle, and we'll catch you in the show. Thanks. I'm going. Yeah, we're I'm rolling. Going too. We're rolling, which is what we always say <laughs> at the beginning of the Honest Bicycle Program. That's how people know it's the Honest Bicycle Program. Because we're rolling. Bill, are you ready to be honest about bicycles with us? I am. You, I'm yeah. always honest. Dan has Dan seems to be under the impression that honesty is one of our core values here at the Honest Bicycle Program, and I can understand why he's under that impression. Uh, but it's 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 branding kind of more than anything else. Um, I mean, we you can't know, claim to know what we're talking about. Is all I'm saying. Well, you took yeah, the whole, but we're the whole, honest about the it. Whole working part out of there, so you're no longer like <laughs> it's it, working has nothing to do with it at all anymore. That's true. Well, yeah, we've decided that we are no longer. Yeah, we've become a much much less class conscious podcast. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that might have been before my time. I don't even remember there being a working in the. It was, the well, they were like the working man's blues, honest bicycle program and sideshow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We always opened up with like a, a Woody Guthrie talking blues number. That was our theme. <laughs> the, Man, how times change. That, yeah, that that part. Just to be clear, Dan is not true. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So um, it's a slightly different crew than usual this week, dear listeners. Uh, coming to you from Boston. It's it's me, Greg. Uh, you know me. 
uh, you probably have some sort of feelings about me one way or the other. Uh, we also got Dan Shabanoff here. Um, who's, well, who's not be... there, but in Philadelphia. Well, here, here being you know the podcast, there's some kind of ontological entity that is. <laughs> The, those are episode. those are really big words, Greg. You I'm were just, just telling me that super nerdy is the HBP brand, so it's true. I'm it is, the... but but about bicycles, not SAT words. <laughs> anyway, and we're also joined in a uh, amazing crossover uh, special. You know him, you love him. Uh, you've probably been able to see him from really far off in video of various uh, cyclocross and perhaps mountain bike events. Around this great nation, around the world, it's Bill Scheichen of CX Hairs. Hey, Bill. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Glad, uh, glad to have you here. It's very exciting, actually. What else? What else would I be doing on a Saturday night other than being on a bike nerd podcast? <laughs> there's, there's not a lot else to do, really. Uh, I mean, <laughs> at least not that I'm aware of. I've heard of things called bars and parties, but. Those are expensive. Uh, oh Content is free. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> this content is, is very free. So I think that should be the, uh, you know, like the outside is free hashtag. Uh, yeah, I think I do. Yeah. It's usually nestled Which is... in with about 8 million other hashtags, so you're lucky I oh. knew about it, but... <laughs> I'm just saying, I think we're onto something here with content is free. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. it's probably a, not the wide-angle podium just, business model, but you a, know what? <laughs> as an as a <laughs> as a part owner of the wide-angle podium, I'd say that content is um, worth your monthly donation as low as five dollars <laughs> a month at wideanglepodium.com. <laughs> that's that's very true, and and you really should consider donating. Maybe we'll do a spot, a more detailed spot later. I I I I think that. Um, we do want to get going, but but yes, we are coming to you on the wide angle podium, and uh, it it actually costs us money and effort to do this. Believe it or not, we're not just sitting in front of microphones getting drunk. Um, it's not a hundred percent of the job, uh, and even then, speak for yourself, right. Greg. <laughs> well, you know, I know how you operate, Dan. But uh, uh, I did want to. I, I was I was listening to a wide angle podium show this week. I listened to a few this week, actually, but. Uh, I was listening to Bike Shop CX. Okay, uh, yeah, good, good show. Good and show. they opened this week's episode by talking about the Honest Bicycle program. Really? Yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Wild, right? I haven't um, listened to that one yet. It's it's pretty good. I was. I mean, I, I'm a new listener. Um, I mean, I've listened but, to the show. I hadn't listened to the latest show yet. Anyway, go on, please, well, please. I, I can't wait to hear. Uh, I I love hearing about myself. <laughs> oh well, you might be slightly disappointed because oh. this is actually about me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but That's my second what I was gonna say, thing to <laughs> what I was gonna say is that uh, Mr. David Palin opened the show by talking about this show, and then he was telling his Dan Chabanov story when I wandered into his tent at Major Taylor Cup last year to ask for a tool, but. The reason I'm saying this is because he didn't tell the best part of the story. He was telling the story of how I wandered in to get the tool. But the best part of that story is the reason I was wandering in to get a tool, which was a spoke wrench, was because the night before, a cop had backed into my B-bike and my wheels were out of true, which Mm. I thought was like a pretty funny tidbit. 
that he left out. Yeah, uh, it's hilarious. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's a riot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's um, more more listening assignments for for you loyal listeners of the Honest Bicycle Program. If you if you actually are for some reason listening to just this show and not other shows on the Honest Bicycle. No, sorry, wide angle podium. It's not branded. <laughs> it's not branded by our show. Uh, if you're if you're listening to just this show, not other shows on the yeah. wide angle podium network, you you should check them out, including Bike Shop CX with the uh, marvelous Mr. David Palin, as well as um, Scott Dietenbach. They do a good show. If you're especially if you're into, we're going to probably venture into cyclocross nerdery because I think one of the uh, Dan and I were coming up with an agenda last night, and there were about eight hundred thousand things on it. Uh, none of which we wrote down none of what no it's in the text thread so it's fine it's committed <laughs> i to tried that. going through that about five minutes ago while we were waiting for you uh, i'm not sure that's going to be effective as well any anyway well now i lost my train of thought but but you're uh, going to talk about the agenda oh, yeah, so if you're into well because i, I was going to say if you're into cyclocross nerdery and we're probably going to talk about some cyclocross nerdery because i think we're going to talk a little bit about the cyclocross world championships uh this is so many dependent clauses in this sentence um, then you should check Grammar out, nerdery also Then you should check out Bike Shop CX Which is a very good show You should also check out uh, and, and I don't want to I don't well I don't want to belabor this too much Because we're going to talk about Worlds um, The Crosshairs radio program uh, Covered this event in some detail And we're probably going to be You know in terms of race recaps I imagine we're going to get shunted off down Sun Rabbit Hole uh, very early on in our discussion so if you, if you really want to hear what went down in some like actual cogent and intelligent analysis uh you should uh listen to bill and scott and mr david palin on the latest crosshairs radio episode discussing the worlds i agree <laughs> <laughs> because it's just nonsense all the way down on the honest bicycle program we're probably going to start talking about like wout's tires um and then you know uh all right so <laughs> speaking of I mean, that's which, what everyone was talking about at worlds anyway oh everyone was talking about wow's tires so i am not even sure what our starting what our entry point is for for the world championships i can tell you that i got up um uh, you know not super early but at a reasonable time last weekend on saturday to head over to uh uh aaron facone's place um across town and and a whole bunch of other people did the same thing and we watched the elite women's world championship and ate pastries and drank coffee bill what did uh i think you you get you guys had like a viewing party in dc right we we did on on sunday we did an event and at uh the dc pop-up at rafa on saturday i you know the annual tradition of waking up at 4 a.m. to uh, watch the what was it? it? Was the men's junior race? The juniors, yeah. Uh, That's a somebody, level. Of somebody here in Philadelphia call, coined that race the Savage Gumbies, which I think is extremely appropriate. And I have to say, I know that everybody was hyped on Donna Kant versus Katie Compton at Worlds, but the junior men's race was by far my favorite race of the weekend. Because it was simply the wildest race of the weekend. Oh, those the weather kids, was the worst. The weather was the worst, and those kids have 
like you can just see that they're riding with no fear or sense of consequence for crashing. Like they are just throwing themselves into each other, into ruts, into the course, like and falling and then bouncing right back up like they're made out of rubber. I'm, and I'm like, telling you, Thomas or Tomas Kopecky, the guy who got second, I I swear he had no toe spikes. How, <laughs> I mean, it was you don't just need a, it was, those. He just how he he and he was still, but every time they got off their bike and they had the worst conditions, it was just slick and muddy, and they're sliding down these off cameras. And he would just get off his bike and just slide down the hill, and like four people would pass him, and he'd sort of like scramble, 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 get up on his bike, make it back up to the front, have to get off. I'd I swear he would have won that race by like two minutes. I, I was going to say, do you think it's bike. do you think it's possible that uh, that a lack of toe spikes might have cost someone? Uh, uh, the win. I'm sure the the internet will tell me I'm wrong and that he did have them, but I think I think that maybe they need maybe the Czech Republic needs to to reinvest in whoever their toes. But maybe he only had the short ones. Is. Like maybe maybe someone maybe like he and a friend went halvesies on like the horse spikes, uh, kind of three length package, and he ended his friend got the long ones and he ended up with the short ones. Yeah, I think that's. That's possible. You guys, do you guys, have you guys ever seen the toe spikes that CD used to sell? No. I they were not. like, I kid you not, they were literally like an inch and a half long. <laughs> like, they were entirely useless in anything but, like, ice climbing, as far as I could tell. Yeah, but even then, I mean, wouldn't you be scared you'd get them, like, stuck in your pedal or something? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. were completely impractical. Uh, Longer I, I toe mean, spikes I, than, like, I mean, the reason that you only wear short toe spikes when you don't need the toe spikes is that can actually happen. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've actually, I, I think I spent a season running short toe spikes all the time, and now I literally avoid running toe spikes at all if I can absolutely, like, if, if I can get away with not having toe spikes, I will try to get away with that having those well, I stopped because... doing that because the uh, I had and maybe this is a specialized shoe problem uh, luckily luckily the network isn't sponsored by specialized as far as I can tell but I found that without having actual spikes in the shoes that uh, the, the they called them peanuts or whatever the little nuts in the actual shoe seized <clears throat> up and, oh. and you just could never get like if you just had like the screws on to cover you could never get them out again. All right, so this is utter nerdery, but uh, I have the same problem with Jiro, and what I have done is I, so when I get a new pair of shoes, I take the ones that come stock out, and I replace them with cleat bolts from Crank Brother Pedals, which happen to be the same exact pitch as that thread, and they're Allen heads, so yes, they pack up with dirt, but if you just take a pick, you, you know, you pick them out and then you can just take them in and out all the time. So basically I use cleat bolts as placeholders. The, you can use those. I think you can use those in your uh water bottle um uh screw screw those in there as oh, well. Oh, but Bill, you you're supposed your to use nylon. You're supposed to use nylon screws in your uh that was my self floor. I I use electrical tape. <laughs> I just I mean I my I just leave I just leave the stainless bosses, steel. So I just leave the stainless steel. <laughs> 
Oh, that's right, because you've got the the very. I mean, you're on a very custom. I mean, that's that's that, that makes sense when you're on a when you're on a on a on a on a track manufacturer's bike. Uh, what? Didn't he start making? Wasn't he a track bike maker? Richie? Yeah. No, he. Uh, no, he always he started making. I, I think he's built a few track bikes over the years, okay. but honestly, he started building road bikes. He, no, can seriously. We, can we and pretend he did so my jokes better. <laughs> we can't. No, no, no. Here, but here, this is this is the the truth is actually better than your joke, and it's also it kind of a joke. joke. Oh, I mean, it's all right. Let's just fire emoji. <laughs> let's just assume that Richie's not going to listen to this. Um. Hey, he followed he, me on Twitter today. Which is oh, kind of go. ironic Any- <laughs> since I decided to quit Twitter. <laughs> we'll get to that later, Bill. God damn it! Oh, um, that's that's agenda item seven thousand five hundred and forty-one. <laughs> but we'll get there. All right. The punchline is Richie doesn't put bottle bosses on our cross bikes because it saves him like you know whatever twenty-five minutes per frame, and they're team bikes, so it's like they don't need to be. He just. You know, he's got to build them as quickly as possible because if he takes too long on them, it eats into his. Yeah, they're not bikes he's actually frames. selling to people. So here's my so, here's my here's my question no about losses. that though. So what happens? What happens at like Rochester when it's 110 degrees and 80 percent humidity, um, and, and <sighs> we don't have bottle bosses? I mean, the reality, Greg, is is that you don't need to drink water. For an hour-long race like yes it will make you feel better yes it will relieve the dry mouth feeling but physiologically speaking if you've hydrated properly leading up to that point you will be fine so basically you're holding it wrong uh but you it's... have like but you have like team personnel like your drivers and swan your masseuse and those folks <laughs> during the race who are, are out at different points just to pour water on you right like i, mean, I saw them doing that like the telenefidea team had that at, at track and jingle cross and you all the, like the guy who uh, drives the um the big rig he's if, he's if you there, mean right? if you mean the team personnel that is me who went to home depot to buy a cooler and some ice to make a bunch of ice socks for myself the team personnel that I then, handed myself listeners yes. might actually be interested to hear this the team personnel for the richard Sachs cyclocross team is i get a twitter direct message at like nine in the morning before northampton cyclocross from dan being like hey can you pit for britley today <laughs> this was this was this, to be fair this was last two years ago i think mm-hmm. we we actually have a mechanic now but you know uh He's a mechanic. He's not a soigneur, and he has no interest in being a soigneur. So <laughs> his only concern is the bikes and the pits. That's all he worries about. And I actually and, and where the nearest skate park is. Yes, and where the nearest skate park is, and you know potentially avoiding the the nearest uh, durag zone. <laughs> That's a deep cut just for you, Bill. Thank you. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> I'm so lost. Uh, <laughs> don't worry should, about it. Maybe we should bang. roll through these races real quick. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, you know, I actually had made a joke when we were talking about the agenda before that that 
I didn't want to end up doing the whole the thing that I usually do with Matteo when he tells me about track racing that happened, where I'm like, I didn't watch it, so why don't you uh, tell me about it, uh, Matteo? And he does that. Except that I, I the only race that um, I haven't watched actually was the junior men's race. Oh no, wait, and the U23 women's race. So, <laughs> so right. So I've seen like three out of the five races. I really meant to do my homework, but maybe you guys could tell me about those two races. And then we can talk about the ones that I actually saw at least part of. I can before we do that. I I just do want to say that the reason that Scott Diedenbach, why one of the reasons uh, that I have him on my podcast is so that I won't derail my own podcast within the first thirty seconds. So I'm just <laughs> so the you know sort of comes with having me on your show. So I I apologize in advance. No no no, uh, it's fine. No no, we're we're doing all the derailing. Honestly, Bill, have you so heard the show before? <laughs> Yes, have you listened yes, I have. To... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I fit right in. Yeah, yeah, this is great. This is We're right on schedule. I mean, 20 minutes in, we've talked about the junior men's race. Perfect. We're giving the people what they want. <laughs> All right. So Junior we... men, you had uh, British Cycling uh, coming out. Ben Tullett winning. His brother got second last year in the same race that the Brits uh, swept. That's wild. And then uh, he takes the win. Uh, over the uh, uh, aforementioned uh, Kopecky, uh, who may or may not have had toe spikes. Uh, the big excitement for U.S. fans was seeing Elaine Mayer up there. Who oh, made, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, uh, sitting in third place for a lot of the race, uh, you know, and then drop back. We thought, you know, if he just, you know, had tired out or something. It turned out he had a pretty big, bad crash on the final lap and was still able to hang on to fifth place so my uh my girlfriend actually saw the race before i did and when i sat down to watch it she uh said made a comment that was something along the lines of i know which american won the most to which i was like yeah yeah exactly to which i was like huh and Ameri- I didn't. I didn't press her on it further because I didn't want to spoil it for myself. But in my head, I was like, "American won." God, how did man? <laughs> and so then, when Lane took the lead with like two laps to go, I was like, "Oh my god, an American is gonna win this race!" <laughs> and then, like on the last lap, it was so. It, the, that was the closest. I mean, I feel like that was one of the closest races of the weekend. I think it was actually pretty sure. Like, in terms of, like, first through, like, sixth or seventh, I think it was the closest race of the weekend, period. Yes. Um, and so I was, like, even on the last lap, I was, like, how is he going to do it? He's kind of far back. And then, you know, Ben Tullett won, and I was, like, wait a second. And she was, like, I said, which American won the most? And I was, like, how do you expect me to interpret that? <laughs> Um, but the the one thing I, I wanted to mention about that race is that I think Ben is the, the last, you know, so he won junior men's in his first year in that category, right? Yeah. And the last person to do that is Matthew Vanderpool. Wow. Mm. Wow. I just do... something, just a little context. Wow. I think. So just before, quickly before we move on, the, the thing I have to say about this is, is that Lane was in, um, the three four race at the Longshow Classic, a series of crits that we have around here, uh, a couple years ago, um, and he he wiped the floors, just wiped the floor with us, 
repeatedly. <laughs> and, of course, he was like 16 or 15 or something at the time. And it's a bunch of, yeah, you know, bunch of grown-ass men who are like, this kid is destroying us. Well, that's and that, that's the interesting thing about just this. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's he actually part of his road and cyclocross season sort of get confused there because yeah, he's great, great on the road. Um, yeah. yeah, not as strong, I mean, a, not as strong a finish for him, but but I've also gotten my butt kicked by Alex Morton in a cross race. So oh, when he was fifteen <laughs> or something like that, it was <laughs> he came up to New England and it was like getting past or or just oh man it was it was brutal he was this tiny kid going by me and it was like well <laughs> yeah, savage well, like gumbies all those, man all the ohio valley races where they have the juniors and the masters and not even like i think like the baby masters even and he'd be up there you know fighting it out for the podium in the masters race starting a minute back in the uh in the uh junior race yeah Oof. these kids are fast i think is what we're saying they're yeah. Quick. Well, either that or I'm incredibly slow. Actually, we know that's true. No judgments, Greg. This is a judgment. This is a Greg judgment-free zone. That's that's good. That's good. I need it to be somewhere in my life. All right. So, U23 women's race. I mean, uh, we know what happened there. Yeah, I feel like Evie if Richards. Evie hadn't won that race, it would have been people. We we'd be we'd be talking about that as like the shocker of the weekend, honestly. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, have, you have somebody who raced three cyclocross races before this. She raced, I think a Dave a. race that she was just kind of getting her feet wet. And this, this is all, I mean, she used 23, but in the elite field, cause that's all there is, you know, she got a top 20 in that. And then she came back, uh, raced the world cup in Namur in the elite field and won. And then she uh, raced at Hugerheide a couple weeks later and got third. So this is against basically what the first thing that she did is that she opened up a, a spot on the elite women's podium or potential for it. Because you figure she's battling for the podium if she's racing in the elite race. And I think it makes the right decision. Why not? And and I, I, I saw a little bias there between her and another rider in another race that didn't get questioned for this but uh raced in the u23s and ran away with it and you're absolutely right dan if she hadn't won that would have been the story yeah yeah i i honestly i i hate it when people in whatever twitter or social media or just the internet in general like question athletes on competing in the category in which they are qualified to compete in you know it's like uh, and, and and why I say that, where, where it happened and where you heard it on the broadcast is that there were other commentators and journalists asking Simon Bernie right. Uh, right. why she was racing in that race, which I just thought was that, absurd. That, that's the race that she's supposed to be in. Yes, she yeah. can choose to be in the elite race, but she's going to be there eventually. She's not like running from it or something you know it's well, like she's you also got... have to keep in mind that it's it's um a different situation too with the under 23 women versus men in that there are way fewer under like uh, outside of the world championships way fewer under 23 women's races 
Um, I don't even know of any other I than yeah, I don't nationals. Think, yeah, exactly. Well, that's uh, yeah. I I, didn't, I wanted to leave myself uh, <laughs> some room to potentially. I don't know. I wanted to give myself some cover, but <laughs> as as I occasionally do. But the po- the point being that um, people have been kind of used to this phenomenon, I guess, of the of the men going and racing a category up because they, I guess, they think that what Wout Van Art and Matthew, you know, Matthew Vanderpool did was normal, uh, but it or was not. Lars Vanderhaar. Yeah, well, yeah, and there, that's the other recent, you know, history example. It's a, it's a long tradition of, of men, I think, racing up uh, age category because, you know, they've either, either dominated the U23 category or whatnot. But I think you, yet, you, you hit a yet, really solid point. Uh, yet we had somebody this year who stayed in, and nobody seemed to question that. That was kind of my problem with the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a double standard. I... What I just wanted to say is, I like I do think for the women U twenty threes, it is a very different racing experience to just race their peers outside of the elite field, because the race within the race dynamic is completely different than just the straight U twenty three dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, if that if that sort of makes sense, like it's a different racing dynamic, and I don't blame anyone for wanting to experience that also you know you you know screw that you know it's like that's the category that they're qualified to race in period that's it it's their choice you know what i mean like and and you have a whole group within that group that doesn't get that race experience you just talked about since the junior women don't exist and then you have you know harriet harnan also from Great Britain, who got fourth place, and she's sixteen years old. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it's. It, it, what are the British doing over there? I don't know. Well, <laughs> according to the internet, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's not maybe. That joke made itself. Sorry, guys. No, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah, I mean, they're they're certainly doing something right. I mean, you know, or or not right, but I I think that that's. Kind of they have a great ridiculous. system. They have a, they have a great system, program. and you can see that France has a good development program for the yeah. men. Like you know, it's it, it doesn't require uh, witchcraft or or illegal behavior or doping or whatever. Like they've got a good development program. What what I will say about the the um, GB uh, development program is they spend a lot of time with their athletes on skills and on development and they are very attentive to making sure that they know how to do everything. They don't leave them on their own. They take them out and they show them every turn and every blade of grass or clump of mud on the course. I I see this a lot uh, with the um, mountain biking as well for these uh, world cup mountain bikes. They're all they they got coaches. The coaches are riding with them. They're showing them the lines. They're making them session each each section over and over again. I mean, there's a reason that that these skills exist, and they all ride mountain bikes. And you could see that with Evie as well. I mean, she right, was right. riding sections of that course completely different. She's hanging off the back of her bike and lifting up the front wheel and just zooming through sections. Other people are off the front of their bike, you know, digging that front wheel into the ground and slowing themselves up, you know. And and those are those are the reasons that she's getting three four second gaps on the hardest sections of the course just out of curiosity and this is like the inner 
data nerd in me. Did anyone take a look at lap times to see like where EV's lap times would have stacked up in the elite women's field or no? Uh, I, 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 I think that I, well, I was talking to somebody about this and I can't remember the numbers. I mean, one of the problems is conditions. They sure. did have, no, uh, absolutely. I mean, they have more difficult conditions in the U23 yeah. race. Uh, but, yeah. but you know, I, I, I'll bet oh, you it know was what? close. I, no, no, actually, no. you know, now that I think about it, I did watch, I actually watched the U23 women live and I watched the elite women on replay. And, uh, I think if memory serves me correct, the elite women did four laps and the U23 women did three. And it's because I think their first lap was something like 12 minutes. Yeah. And I, was, think, yeah I think, yeah, I think the true. elite women actually were clocking more like 10 minute laps. It was in that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I think I think there was a, it, it was it. Yeah, it would be impossible to compare just because I, I think the conditions were drastically different for those races. So, all right. So uh, there was there was a U twenty three men's race. I actually watched the full. This was like the easiest race to find a full replay of for some reason. Uh, and I don't know. Um, I don't know. That there's a heck of a lot to say other than everyone seemed very surprised that Thomas Pitcock didn't win it. The, the British rider who was the junior world champion last year but mm. um he had a he had a pretty rough day he he didn't look like i guess he'd crashed the weekend before um in the world cup and might have still been feeling it and 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 just didn't seem to be on his his head wasn't in the game really so, that's what it looked like to me too yeah yeah so you know that happens but uh, it was kind of a fight for a little while between uh, Ellie Ezerbeat and uh, your your uh, House. His first name I'm kind of spacing on how to say that, but yeah, that that's the race I seem to remember the least of. I don't know. That probably says that's probably all the commentary I have on that race. I mean, I'm happy for Eli. Um, all I will say is that I'm glad to see I'm glad to see someone under five six or whatever uh, take a world championship jersey. Um, <laughs> solidarity among short bike riders. Uh, I think that's important. <laughs> he really did actually look. He, he people um, used to say, uh, for all I know, they still do about Lars. His bike looked way too big. Now, I, I kind of felt that with uh, with Ezerbeat, that his bike looked like it was way too big for him. There was about about an inch of seat post showing. Um, it's, he's a small guy. He's a small guy. <laughs> I, do, I do love that about cycling in general, that the amount of variety of body types that can be successful in this sport. You yeah, know, and right. even in the various disciplines, you know, like you look at road sprinting and somebody like Andre Greipel is racing, you know, Caleb Ewan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those are like you, you put those two guys next to each other. They don't look. They don't resemble. There, there's no resemblance there. They're completely different human specimens. Yet they are <laughs> doing the exact same thing to great success. You know, and and I kind of love that about yeah. cycling. Yeah. So that's great. it's great. That's all I have to say about that too. I don't know if you have any comments, Bill, on the U twenty three. I I think it it was good that uh, Easer beat. At LE one because it it was at least something for that Marlux team to uh, hang its hat on after the fight that uh, Jurgen um, Metapegan or however you pronounce his name, his team manager, was uh, extremely vocal about 
the team selection for the men's elite team uh, that that one of his riders at least gets a world championship. Yeah, that, that's true. I didn't. Um, I mean, I, I saw all that hoopla about Powell's not being selected, and yeah, I it's like on the one hand, I get it. You know, he's been like so consistent and on that should like earn him a spot but at the same time it's like i could i could see how the belgian federation would want to almost gamble on somebody different you know because i think at this point he's you know, he's at the he's in the twilight of his career. I think he and the thing he, is, is that it, it turns out in the end. And I said this, you know, sort of snarkily it, halfway and half not. But Marlux also got got a silver medal, which we'll talk ab- about as well. You know, so th- one of the people who was on that team that Powell's wasn't is Michael Van Tornout. Right. Who, you know, sort of, I think, exceeded a- expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I think. Somebody, I saw a photo of like the either U23 or even the junior men's podium from like, I think it was a U23 podium and it was the same exact podium. It was yeah. Wout, yep. Van Tornout, and, <laughs> and, and, my, and Vanderpool in third. And uh, yep. it was, it, it's just, it, you know, it's like I realized that people were supri- surprised at uh, his ride. Uh, Van Torno's ride, but you know, if you dig back further in history, it's like he's been capable of beating Vanderpool. It's just I believe you know. there was also uh, a U twenty three junior championships that is the subject of a Svennes video uh, where Van Tornout also got the better of. Perhaps Vanderpool. it's the same yeah. race, actually. So, uh, no, but no, it wasn't because Wout didn't win. Oh, that okay. One. Uh, right, right, right. Was that the uh, uh, the Euro champion? Euro yeah, champ yeah, race? That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one race. that was super that was muddy. That <laughs> 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 course, just seeing that course gives me nightmares. That kind of tractor pull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh. well, it was all, and it was like it was such it was late. It was such a. I don't know. It kind of looked like an East Coast U.S. course too. Yeah, yeah like it's just, it was a lot it was of grass with turns. A lot in of it. grass and just mud. <laughs> yeah, the the like uh, infrastructure on the course did not look very Euro. Yeah, it was just stakes, stakes and tape, and yep. I, I don't think because yeah. I don't. It wasn't. It, I, I forget where that race was. It was not in Belgium or the Netherlands. It was yeah, like the Czech like, Republic or something. I yeah, nobody, no, no fans, and yeah, except for the one. There was one dude who was just very ecstatic that I think I, <laughs> back when I made gifts, I have a great gif of him dancing <laughs> while they're going by, but. <laughs> As long as someone was enjoying it. So, okay, so um, we had the elite races. Uh, I think the the big story really for, uh, at least, I don't know, over here in the USA, was wide-angle podium-sponsored athlete Katie Compton uh, taking the fight to Sonic Kant, uh, ultimately having to settle for a silver medal, but uh, that was a pretty awesome race, and there was a lot of... Uh, because that was the one that I, I watched with a bunch of other people. There was a lot of cheering and and, and uh, speculation and prognostication and maybe not heartbreak at the end, but but yeah, it was it was pretty 
pretty exciting to watch that with a bunch of other fans. I mean, I have a hard time not rooting for Sonic Con. Not that I dislike Katie Compton. No, I root sure. for her as well. I just, I'm always so happy for Sana when she wins because, like, she's I, one of those athletes that, like, wears her emotions on her sleeve, which I love about her. Like, I love any athlete that is expressive and, like, you can tell how they're feeling. And so when she wins, I'm very happy for her. So that was, like, t- to me, there was going to be no loser in that race regardless of who won, you know? And I was, yeah. I would have been ecstatic to see either one of those athletes prevail. I think it would have been great, you know, obviously if Katie would have won just cause like, uh, there's this, yeah, how could it not be? <laughs> I mean, right. How could it not be? I mean, like who, who hasn't, who has, who, who's earned it more, um, than her at this point. But, but you know, that's, you got to race, uh, you have to race on that one particular day and things can go, you know, a particular way. And, and that's kind of how the chips fall. But I, I do in I, that one, one particular pit exchange. Yeah. Which might've been the race right there. Um, which was, it was, we were watching that and we were just like, Oh my God, she's been running for so long because they, they had their pit kind of way at the far end. And there was a slight rise coming into the pit that was very, very muddy. And, and ultimately, uh, yeah, Katie had to dismount. And then had to run the entire length of the pit, uh, which looked uncomfortable. Yeah. So, so yeah. I I, I have some um some insider knowledge for you that I I did not get until after we recorded our um. Oh podcast. really? If you want oh, if you want yeah. uh, um, scoops HBP <laughs> exclusive HBP exclusive. All right. Yeah. Lay it on me. All right. Well, here's here's a couple things about the pit that I don't think we were aware of beforehand uh mark leg was telling me this uh first off the if you saw like during the week how they were practicing in these just crazy muddy sections and that that wasn't the actual course and they sort of shifted them over so there was still some green <laughs> on the course as well mm-hmm. uh so you know I you saw didn't that yeah so you got to practice sort of in the area of what the lines were but not necessarily the lines on some of the messiest places the same was true which i didn't realize for the pits they were not allowed to practice pit exchanges or even how the course would play with you know the the pit coming in into such a a messy course so it was sort of a little bit of guesswork uh mark telling me that uh christoph rudhoft selected the pit box for sane and in his words, it was a smart move since it was right after they had to dismount at the pit. Um, he, he also mentioned that one of the things they were not able to do with the weather and all the travel is that Katie's um, running training. She had not been able to get in like she normally would do coming up to uh-huh. Worlds. And it was kind of a gamble that if it was going to be a big running race or not, turned out it did. And you know, Sané was just a better runner on the day. And part oh, yeah. of that was just, you know, and it, it's just interesting because you look at these things that you don't think about that they're always training. They're always, it's just like road. There's always specificity. And part of that is making sure that you, you are peaking again for, for your running. And they just weren't able to get that training in before the race. And of course it was just a huge part of it. Right. I mean, Katie did look like she was the better she was better on the bike. Yeah, most, but yeah, I'd obvi- say so. Sana was so good off the bike. I mean, it was, you know, like they were they were obviously 
it, it was really cool to see two very different athletes play to two very different strengths and it was great to watch because it could have gone either way yeah because Sonny was getting off her bike uh, a lot and, and yeah. much much sooner than 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 uh, Katie and and yeah it was very very obvious kind of there were times where they're going about the same speed or maybe it was a little bit better to be on the bike but you know it was probably a good decision for her to get off the uh, off the bike at that point while Katie rode and you know that then there were other times you know after the pit um, there was this section where they came they made a, like a right turn and um, there was a rideable or sort of rideable line kind of on the left side of the course that um, Katie Compton was riding every time where Sonny would dismount and kind of run for uh, a while on the right for for remounting and um, after that pit exchange it was just that that line you could see for the two laps coming into the end with on the penultimate lap it was maybe about the same and on the final lap it was just slower on that left line yep yeah you know, Which was so. crazy because I know, and that's what we were all thinking when we were watching. It was like, okay, she did so awesome the lap before, made up time, even got her gap when she got that eight-second gap. This is where she's going to be able to get right back on the side. And it just, you know, it nope. just didn't work that last yeah. time. It just was, it was like a, you know, it just, it just didn't work. Yeah. You think the, you think it was her or you think the course deteriorated i mean i know it's impossible to tell from tv coverage but well, I, I think there were i think it was so wet that you know you, you the whole commit to the rut thing just didn't come into play because there was n- there were work. no established ruts because everything was right. just moving so the course yeah i think the conditions not that they deteriorated but it's just if there was a line or you, it's like going through sand you know yeah you never know lap to lap how the sand's going to react to you riding through it yeah, it's true. Yeah, and you could see, you know, in like photos from practice and whatever that uh, that downhill with the off camber kind of sweeping left turn that there was in practice this gigantic rut, like might break your derailleur off uh, rut, and you thought, oh, okay, everyone's going to be railing that rut in the race, and then at least in the women's race. There's just, in, in I think I'll, just about all the races I saw, there was no rut there at all because people were mm-hmm. just going everywhere uh, and, and just trying to hold on. And sometimes people were going off into the lower the lower fence and sometimes people hit the post like uh, Pidcock did. And I think um, uh, Vanderpool did at one point. It, it just all over the place. So, it, you know, what, what can you do in that situation? You know, you've got a, a toolkit that, you know, we know how to, deal with the situations when there's just enough tack, I guess, for, for ruts to form. But when it's that kind of goopy, it, it's just a different race every lap. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have three meters or more. I mean, this is a pretty wide course, a lot more and most of it. And you saw, and that's where, uh, Vanderpool got in trouble. And I think also, uh, wow, it ended up, you know, crashing as well because there was that, what like three inch sliver of grass that still existed <laughs> on that high side that they were all just trying to nail themselves to and just getting too close to those uh slanted barrier yeah. feet and yeah it was just it was just going wrong but it was, it was funny because you know that's what that's that's what you learn you want to go for the grass you know green is fast and and like everybody trying to just stick it on that grass and it like uh it, it came out and bit a lot of people but those euro barriers i just don't understand <laughs> that's just 
it's bad news. It's come on, guys. Like, I don't know. I it is, I feel like it's just one of those things that are like, ha ha. Yes, it's just part of what it's like to race in Europe. You have to deal with potentially deadly barriers. It's tougher and more manly. Like, I don't know. I mean, honestly, the flat feed barriers are no better, in my opinion. Because well, especially on uneven ground where they well, yeah. stick up. Yeah, they stick out. Yeah, I know. It, yeah. You can't I, win, I guess. Ask but... me how I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's true. I guess I guess, I guess. guess in, in road racing, it uh, there's more of a difference there. Well, the, the crazy so, thing is, is how much... Uh, how many meters of metal barriers they used? You know, there were there was no wood stakes and and tape or wood stakes and uh, and and signage. It was just like that. That whole course was metal can, barrier. Can we just take a moment for the course, actually? And you know, this was you know because I've I've watched many races at Valkenburg in the last few years, mm-hmm. and this. I know the weather conditions were so different, but this was, it felt like a completely different Valkenberg course. It was. There was no, there was no like that fast descent. Yeah, that was gone. Uh, There was no stairs with the fast dismount into the stairs. I mean, there was, I know there were stairs on the course, but they were different. I mean, you know, the flyover, there was, there's, uh, in the past, they've had those like concrete stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was just, you know, it was not. I, I it, even it remember wasn't the same track. Well, and there was that wood in the wooded section. It was almost like a a nice like long climb, like windy, yeah. switchback mm-hmm. climb yeah. through the yeah. through the woods. I think I remember even uh, Compton winning there and beating uh, Mariana Voss, and that was where she kind of got her, you know, and was like you could she could sort of look back and see see her down there. I'm sure she, yeah, somebody will tell me if I'm wrong, uh, <laughs> but. But yeah, I mean, it was like that. That seemed like that one of those iconic spots. And somebody put up because I asked about it. And somebody put up the maps for the last three, and yeah, this was it was it was the same venue. I mean, that was about it. I did like that downhill section in the woods that they did have. Uh, that looked super fun. I was I was very impressed by the lines they were taking. There was this one particular kind of drop off right hander that that everyone was kind of doing a high speed kick push through that I was like, wow, I would crash so hard uh, if I tried that. Uh, but they were making it look, I don't know about easy, but it, it looked really cool. It looked really cool. I think is what I'm trying to say. There's one more race left. Uh, the elite men's race and the only race, not won by a challenge. Limus, the only race, not won by challenge. Limus. Let's get to that. After, uh, after this, cause, cause I do want to talk, uh, a little bit about or, that, or an FMB Limus, uh, uh, right? Right. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> interesting. All right. Yes. Let's let's, right. let's 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 get to that after after just the result because I think that this was the one. Uh, I suppose aside from uh, Pidcock not winning the U twenty three, that everyone was shocked by because the hot favorite, of course, was was, was Matthew Vanderpool, and he did not win. Wout Van Art. Uh, third time consecutive world champion in uh, men's cyclocross. I mean, it was it wasn't the blowout that we were expecting, but it was still a blowout. Yes, uh, very much so. I get, I get. You could say it wasn't the blowout we expected, but it was the blowout we wanted. 
Sure. Uh, come on, Greg. That wasn't that funny. <laughs> yeah, but I I had given myself a very uh, an overly generous pour of bourbon to start the ah, show. Perfect. I'm further into it than I should be. So, perfect. Yeah, there's not a lot left. Actually, it's a problem. <laughs> but I no, it is or the blowout we deserved. Perhaps I don't know. It was actually one of the biggest gaps in decades. Yeah, it was. It was. I. I was, while I was watching it, I was like, man, it really sucks to try and finish on the lead lap today. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was, it wasn't a, you know, it, for a second there, I thought he was going to like 80%, like, people in the top 10. I think, wasn't it, wasn't it an hour 18, last guy, that didn't didn't get pulled? Oh, man. That's also insane. <laughs> well, that's almost like uh, that's almost like racing Gloucester as a scrub in uh, <laughs> here in the U.S. Yeah the the difference is Gloucester is warm. I mean, do you remember Bay State? Did you ever try to finish on the lead lap in Bay State? Oh no, I I was not doing UCI races when that was still all right. Because there was a one year I was the last guy on that lead lap. I've been there. It was cold. It was yeah. It's always the coldest race of the year. It was that year. It was like snowing ice mud. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Mm, I was out there for an hour and twenty two minutes. Oh, is that the one that Duran won? Yeah, I I was out there until it was like dark. It was dark when I finished. <laughs> in so many anyway, ways. Yeah. It's fact. Yeah. Um anyway. Yeah, right. Bill, for the for any, the one percent of our on, listeners who know about Bay State, this will make any, sense. Any comments on the non Bay State discussion at hand? Uh well I, I think Let's see. It, it would have been a shock if somebody other than Vanderpool or Wout won for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I picked Vanderpool, but I mean, you know, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times. Uh, Wout's better in these conditions, and he's better with the pressure on him, and he's better if I mean everybody's going to make a mistake in that race. Vanderpool still to this day, when he screws up, isn't able to handle it, and 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 kind of falls apart. Uh, but I, I don't know. I was just, I, I'm, I'm not a big tech guy and don't really care about his wheels or his tires or how wide they were or what color they were, but that, that people want to like, uh, pin the win on that kind of stuff. And I always find that kind of funny. So yeah, he's he's better in those conditions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really want to pin, pin the win on those. I think if anything, you know, obviously like. You know, I think people say this all the time, like tires do win races in a way, but like you still have to pedal the damn bike, you know, it wasn't it wasn't at least this year wasn't as crazy as last year. No, last year with the freaking green tires was just. Yeah, that was it was it was a little much. People definitely like freaked out. Um, I mean, I definitely like sought out the information because I was curious but you know you can't uh you know let, let's just say that like you weren't going to be able to ride that course on a file tread but i'm sure he would have ridden just fine on pretty much any other mud tire 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh no, I, like, I think that's exactly right. And and people people were making a big deal about. I mean, the Michelin mud is a good tread pattern. I you know, but it, it's not like it's not magic. No, and it's not like no. sticking a a, a a clincher tread onto a dugast casing. You know, is gonna be the thing that that wins a race for you. It just doesn't make sense. I actually saw on some online uh maybe it was reddit or something someone being like inspired by the green uh tubulars from last year essentially doing their own version of that of taking an uh, maybe it was another michelin mud or something like that and making their own tubulars out of it it was i i restrained myself from commenting on that but you know it was like i think that you might be drawing the wrong lesson from from what happened there (laughs) like yeah, I mean, I think it's cool that you can send pretty much any goddamn tire to FMB and they'll glue it on a casing for you, you know? like Oh, I it's very def- cool that they'll do that. I'm <laughs> but, not sure that, I'm uh, not sure, you as the, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm just assuming that we don't have a lot of pros listening and taking, like, tech advice from me on this show, <laughs> and if you are, you shouldn't, uh, but, you know, for your privateer cross racer uh you know amateur maybe maybe cat three cat two cross racer listening probably better uses of your of your money oh yeah i think it i think the wouts i don't even want to say like obsession with tire selection i think it's more Niels than anything else i think mm-hmm. it speaks more to his like psyche as an athlete in that he is very meticulous. Yes. He is very focused and prepared, and he leaves no stone unturned in that preparation. I don't think that is the one stone that is clinching it for him. I think it's that entire mentality that drives someone to, you know, take a 30 millimeter casing and, you know, in whatever and like glue whatever tire tread he ended up using. I mean, you know, sidebar, I heard it was like a sticky, uh, sticky rhino compound on a 30 mil flying doctor casing. Yeah. And you're, you're right, Dan. It was, that was not the one factor that, that allowed him to win the race. It it obviously was the Pam cooking spray. (laughs) Yeah. God, the Pam cooking spray. But again, you know, it's just like, he is obviously a guy that's just like, I'm not going to overlook any detail. Right. That, you that know? One, and that I think one, that's the thing that gets. That one, I think, is Niels Albert just punking everyone. Because, no, no, yeah, no, 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 Bill. What happened is Stephen Hyde brought over in his checked baggage <laughs> a can of Pam brand cooking spray, which is has a different formulation from your Belgian uh, vegetable oil. Yeah, they did end up spray. using the the Belgian stuff that was like Doctor something or other. <laughs> Doctor Doctor Ostecker. You go to you go to formula. you go to Albert Hein and get your can of uh, Doctor Osticker. <laughs> <laughs> Albert Hein is great, actually, but that's another topic. Uh, <laughs> the Dutch Belgian supermarket chain. Um, yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> deep cuts as always greg deep, deep cuts, cuts as always no really seriously i love that place it's amazing but yeah it's it's 
I think you probably have a point there, Bill, that, that Niels Albert was like, oh, they're going to love this. <laughs> I, You know what? I wouldn't put it past him, honestly. He's he's actually he's actually a pretty uh um pretty funny guy who <laughs> who plays it extremely straight, which is great. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's why we have you on this show, Bill, for that extremely I, insider I, I would knowledge. Go into the, of... I would go in I would go into the deeper story about that, but I just I I I can't. Well, yeah, you well and <laughs> and you know it's it's we're fifty nine minutes in and um I think we're not quite done believe it or not, because I, I said we were going to talk about more than just cyclocross worlds. It is the Honest Bicycle program, so... Is pro racing uh, really our thing? I don't know. Well, did we... Because I, I noticed this on Twitter. You and Bill had very different opinions about should cyclocross be oh, in the Olympics. Okay, this is perfect. This is a perfect segue. I think that we should take a little bit of a break to talk about a couple a couple things that might be of interest to our listeners. And then we should get into this. Um, so there's 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 a couple things I, I do want to tell you guys about. One is that we are coming to you on the Wide Angle Podium Network, as we mentioned at the top of the show. It's a radio term there, top of the show. And uh, it's a network where there's a lot of great content available for you to listen to. Um, that's that's my really expertly done sales pitch. Um, but seriously, it's a podcast network. Um, there's a lot of cycling content there. There's some other variety on there too, though, uh, for when you aren't thinking about bikes, I think there's something called, uh, kids don't follow music podcast. Yeah. That, that one, That's... that one comes out every once in a while. Yeah. Good every one. now and then, uh, there's a consummate <laughs> athlete, which is kind of a broader focus than just cycling. Um, but of course there's also lots of great cycling content, including, including crosshairs radio, uh, including, um, I actually, geez, would is we got to hang out a cycling con podcast? I, I don't know. They they've gone wider as well, you know. And this is the kind of stuff they they came into the network. They they've uh, they've had Fred Armisen on the oh, show. Man, crazy. They've had you know just uh, just amazing guests, and they're um, you know they're we are going to be represented at uh, um, uh, uh, South, South by, by Southwest. Southwest. Oh, yeah, amazing! Just pretty crazy. Uh, Bill, so what do you think comes out more often? Kids don't follow or the Meyerson line? Oh, kids don't follow. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, Adam, Adam promises us, you know, that he's going to be putting out shows uh, as as well as uh, Lindsey Goldman, formerly Bear, uh, who uh, is busy having a kid right now. But she oh, promised yeah. me as uh, well. Also, running a team. And running a team at the same time, and spending like four hours on the trainer while nine months pregnant. Uh, but she promised me that there will be. She already uh, has new dirt field recordings lined up, and those are always fun. That's to look those are those to. are very fun and amazing. You should listen to them. I don't understand. I I can't comprehend the Lindsay experience at all uh, no just we're amazing... on very opposite training <laughs> regiments she's literally trainer all the time and i've made it my mission to not ride the trainer once in 2018 the point is that the honest bicycle nothing oh god i keep doing that the wide, <laughs> angle, the wide angle podium network i mean don't get me wrong the honest bicycle program is great that's why you're here uh, but the, the Wide Angle Podium Network is delivering lots of great podcasts that I think that you'd be interested in, and as well as this show. And 
you know, we would love your support if you enjoy listening to this show or indeed any of the multitude of other shows on the network. So why don't you head over to wideanglepodium.com slash donate. And, you know, it just it's nice to have a little money come our way because it does actually take some time and some work, believe it or not. Despite the fact that I'm sitting here drinking bourbon uh, in front of my computer, uh, I'm going to have to edit this. That's work. Um, you know, Bill puts some work in his show. Uh, Scott Diedenbach, who does uh, Crosshairs Radio, puts a ton of work into editing his show. Uh, someone should really stage an intervention on that. I wish he edited Crosshairs Radio. He sticks to Bike Shop CX, but it's <laughs> it's the same thing. Well, that's what I. That's yeah. That's it's what still I the same amount of work. We're we're here here we're what we call live to tape, as I've explained before. Um, so yeah, head on over wideanglepodium.com slash donate. Become a member. You'll get. Uh, in addition to the free shows that everyone gets, there is bonus content. Um, there are various thank you gifts and such uh, that that will be sent your way to express our appreciation. Uh, yeah, so you mentioned the Olympics, Dan. Yeah, I take the position that the Olympics should just disappear and they're evil. So you guys oh, I can see. discuss amongst your. That's my like fringe approach to this. Like I. I'm I'm with you on that, especially with all the, you know, the stuff going on now with these children uh, that are out there to make millions of dollars for people and that they have to go through in their lives. Yeah, I'm 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 fine with that. We wait, wait, it. what do you mean? Like the opening ceremony kids or something? No, I mean, like the athletes. Oh, the oh right. Well, I just I don't like how the in, the entire thing seems like a this like proxy for nations to like kind of measure and compete against each other. Like I I I don't know. I typically I'd, I'd, I'd I typically really than... hate nationalism. This is why you in general leave Russia, isn't it? No. It was your stance on the Olympics. No, that I mean, I left Russia when I was like six or seven, so that didn't develop until later. <laughs> I, um, I, but part, I mean, part of that, that definitely colors my worldview. You know, like I definitely just think that, like, you know, the whole medal count thing and just like what Russia did in terms of the doping operations in Sochi to like win that medal count, like it just the the amount of money. And media that drives this whole thing just I know it's driving it into a pretty dark place and like I don't under I you know I don't have a solution to this obviously because no one has any solutions on podcasts to anything that they're talking about um and I just you know obviously there's like problems with the money and cycling and you know how people get driven to do bad things in that sport and it happens in every sport and i don't know what the happy medium is of like you know where you like have just enough money that people can do it but not enough money that people want to do bad things you know like i don't know what that is but anyway i did not know we were signing up to discuss the olympics as an institution hey this is the <laughs> honest bicycle no i appreciate and i appreciate your honesty uh, i think i think that's a perfectly legitimate opinion to hold and and i actually agree with many large swaths of it i don't know that i don't know that i'm at all prepared to lay out my carefully considered opinion on like the international olympic committee <laughs> in fact i'm quite certain i'm not uh because because i don't know i do know that i enjoy watching multi-sport competitions on my tv 
I also agree that the metal count is like the worst thing ever, and I don't care about it. Um, other than that, it makes me angry. But uh, I think I think the discussion I think what brought this up was the whole cyclocross and the Olympics thing. I, to me, there's a couple different branches we could go down here with respect to the Olympics. We're recording this as the Winter Olympics have gotten underway in uh, Pyeongchang in South Korea. And I think for the cycling nerd, there are actually are, I don't know, I, I think that we're already well equipped to get something out of some of the, you know, strange and unfamiliar sports that are going to be on our TVs for the next couple of weeks, um, which might be fun. If you um, like cyclocross, cross country, the short, shorter cross country ski races are some of the best cyclocross races you'll ever watch. They they set up they set up the same way they they uh, race the same way and they especially in the pack and they're just super fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with that. When it gets when it gets really long, I think it get, turns into more of a running race almost. Um, and and it's it's just becomes you know. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the actual races, but it's like the ones that are man, they're like fifteen minute races, if that you know. Yeah, and just uh, yeah, they're super fun to watch. Those are fun because people are, you know, they're, you get the skill-based element that you have in, for example, cyclocross, where you've got to negotiate a big turn, uh, you know, at high speed on cross-country skis, which if you've ever actually put on a pair of cross-country skis and tried to go around a turn or even go in a straight line downhill as just a, you know, person on the street, uh, it's not easy to do. So it's pretty impressive what they're able to do at that level, I think. Yeah, I'm not even sure I could. Hats off to them. It's a lot yeah, of fun. Actually, the last, the last, I have a Svenness Goes to the Olympics on, yes. on Vimeo from February of 2014. That, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good watch. Those races. I know that video. I, I actually, I... Um, Honestly, for for a long time, my go-to, uh, uh, I guess, trainer entertainment was putting on Spendus videos. So there we go. That's, oh, that's, my... I, I've I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. I used to do twenty-minute intervals to the uh, four-point-two episode. Oh, nice, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the right the length. Finale. Yeah, the last, the last ever. Uh, I mean, honestly, I'm fine with it being the last ever because it was the best ever. <laughs> that one took a while. That was yeah. That, that was, was the cocksider, right? That uh, yeah, Sven that versus Sven, Wout. Sven, yep, versus Wout. Yeah. Oh, so good. I recently played that for a friend of mine who had never seen Svenness. Oh, nice. Oh. I know. It's you know, and then he was immediately like, "When's the next one coming out?" And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good starting point actually that's true you 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 can get into it and then kind of like work backwards from there um yeah because the the first the first few are very different from from what they became so so yeah so Uh, anyway olympic cyclocross in the olympics yeah let's talk about that maybe a little bit Uh, maybe that can be our our wrap it up kind of thing but so i heard you I heard you, Bill, on on your recent show, saying that you had you had had a bit of a coming around on whether cyclocross should be in the Olympics. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? I, you know, coming up in cyclocross, where 
and you know, you you get into it, and especially if you got into it in the last you know, 10, 15 years ago, it's the whole cyclocross is punk rock, blah 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 blah. Which <laughs> it's we all so know not not true. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it was sort of this this outsider niche, or at least that's what people wanted it to be, or a faction wanted them to be. And it was also it was a big tent where you know you could mm-hmm. be that guy. You could be you know somebody who grew up racing uh being a messenger and racing uh track bike crits and then all of a sudden go ah cyclocross that's cool too um or or you could you know be be somebody who's just a straight up road racer whatever else you know it took everything and and that's sort of how the sport was there and it had a little bit of a rebel edge to it and i I think that has sort of faded over the years Mm -hmm. uh and it, it then comes to our elite athletes and we look at our elite athletes and we want them to get the the benefit of every other elite cyclist we want them to be on the same level and right now they're not and that that's that's was kind of the the point that i shifted over to okay maybe this should be an olympic sport and for the longest time i didn't I, i'm sort of with dan where i can i don't really need the olympics and the sport that i loved and 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 have to, dumped all this time into it i didn't need it to be an olympic sport it didn't it didn't make sense nobody knows where it goes it's not a sport that's inside or that's done on ice or snow all the time so is it a summer is it a winter you know we don't know where to put it but the main thing that shifted me over was i want the Ellen Nobles and the Stephen Hydes and the Katie Comptons and the Gage Hex and the Lane Mars and everybody else that we see coming up in the U.S. to have the same ability to get the top level training and to get money that somebody who is a BMX rider or who is a mountain biker or who is on the track gets. And right now they don't because we started this national team. I mean, in the past, not even the national, I won't even bash the national team in the past. It's straight up U.S. Olympic Committee money, and that money is determinant on medals. It's the reason that the U.S. was and USA Cycling was really happy that BMX became an Olympic sport because the U.S. invented the sport, and they're still awesome in it, and they get the most medals, which means that they get the most money out of the U.S. Olympic Committee. Hmm. Cyclocross gets no money because it's not an Olympic sport. You start this national team and you say, okay, there's this million dollars out there. We're going to divvy it up. There's this gold status. If you win a, a world champion or you are on a world championship podium, you are gold status. Katie Compton, congratulations, gold status national team member. And then you go and you look what gold status national team member means. And it means something completely different for a road cyclist than it does for a cyclocross athlete. For a road cyclist, they get $25,000 a year. They get to use the U.S. Olympic Training Center facilities in Colorado. They get coaching from the U.S. Olympic facility. They get training. They get to go there and stay if they want. They get all of these training camps, all of these amazing things. Cyclocross, well, we can't use the Olympic Committee funds on that because you're not an Olympic sport, so they don't get any of it. You know, part of me is yeah. like USA Cycling should throw in money anyway because they're funding half of that. So that's our money as license holders that's going towards something. I'd like to see some of that earmarked towards those elite athletes, but it's nothing. Damn. So that's kind of what shifted me over to like, well, fine. If this is what it's going to take for these athletes to 
com- to to have to open the doors to this funding, to open the doors to this training and to this coaching, they make an Olympic sport. And I think we'll get medals in it, and we'll you know be right up there with Road or anybody else in uh, bringing in medals. So whatever, make it an Olympic sport. I mean, probably yeah. prob- probably better, I'd say, than Road. I mean. I know. I know I, that the... I, you know this. This is, and you're, you're absolutely right, Dan. And I left out a whole component on here, which we could get go a completely different way, which I don't want to, because I want Greg to hear your <laughs> take on this. But the other thing is that, yeah, on the road, women's cycling is going to do awesome, and that's that's another reason that people want to like. We could talk about women's cycling, the whole thing, and and how people will think, oh, we need to help women's cycling and you never look at the other side of it women's cycling's helping the olympic committee and they're helping usa cycling because they're the ones that are going to be getting all these medals be it mountain biking or yeah. bmx or yeah road. or right. track I, or, I, I do or, think, yeah, yeah anything well really. any, anywhere really yeah it's honestly the, the 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 women are much better in in american international competition uh, cycling so i i think what's funny to me here is just that dan i i think that you're expecting some great debate or, or something i mostly agree actually with all of that um i you know i have my doubts about where or how cycling or cyclocross would fit into the olympics but um you know as far as the reasoning goes you know i'm i'm on board with that and and agree with it so yeah, I don't know. I, I rather than go for ten minutes on on my various thoughts about <laughs> universality and blah blah blah. You know, are you throwing that, shade, Greg? No, that's that's my <laughs> that's my, I'm at myself is where I'm throwing shade. But but uh, I don't know. What do you what do you think, Dan? Leaving it, I guess, aside from um, Boom Olympics. <laughs> Can I just leave it at Boozy Olympics? I you mean, can. I, I think I think, you know it's I think that the current national governing body funding model for athletes is pretty wonky to begin with, you know? I just yeah, I don't I so I think in yeah. in my ideal world we're looking for an alternative. You know, we're looking for you know, we're looking for cyclocross to exist in the US the way that it exists in Belgium in that like you know, PepsiCo and Budweiser just have you know, billboards at the races and people sell tickets. I don't know, you know, that that's the model that's going to provide funding for athletes long term in my opinion i'm gonna be honest though i just don't see that as as i don't think it's gonna happen either but i also don't think that cyclocross is gonna get added to the olympics unless the definitions of what a winter olympic sport changes and i don't really see that oh i think well i think that i don't actually i'd I'd be curious to know what you think of this bill but because my thought is that honestly i think that people are really worked up about cyclocross being a winter olympic sport and i i'd say shoot just campaign for it to be in the summer olympics like i think it'd be awesome well yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i you already have mountain biking there it fits right in be right next yeah and it's like they're 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 cross races that are held in warm weather now the olympics the olympics will be like the next sea otter 
Yeah. <laughs> it kind of it already is the sea otter. It's the sea otter for PepsiCo or Coca-Cola. Right. <laughs> that the expo, the the expo instead of being endemic brands is like McDonald's. What is sea otter again? <laughs> Some it used to be a bike race and now it's apparently I know, it's an, like it's why, an, why is it why is it called show. sea otter? That's my question. I know what what it is, but why <laughs> is it called sea otter? Is it is that a location or like what's why is it called sea otter? Oh, I don't know. No idea. No. Does idea. anybody know? Bill? Nope. The founders right. might know. The founders might know. Because it's, it's like, don't they have some of the race, like a race, a road race at like Laguna Seca or something like that? It's That's where it all is. That's, it all that's, is at Laguna yeah, Seca. The, yeah. 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 So it's it's at this auto racing center. I mean, it's not like at the Sea Otter Motorsports Emporium. <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's called sea otter. Maybe they have a lot of sea otters in the. Is that in the Bay Area or is it further south now? I don't know. It's um, further south. Further south. Isn't there a uh, yeah? Isn't there isn't there a European sea otter? Now? I mean, yeah. Oh my god! Really? It's in. I don't know. It's in Monterey. Oh all right. One. Oh, it's in Monterey. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> getting. I'm like, getting angry and frustrated. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we've really made some progress tonight. I feel like I've really gotten somewhere. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, uh, sure. Cyclocross in the Olympics. Why not make it in the summer Olympics? Who cares? It doesn't need to be in the winter Olympics. Um, get rid of the Olympics. Or sure. get rid of the Olympics if that's, if that's your preference. Well, okay. I, I, I will say, um, sort of about the broader point about the funding model for USA cycling and, and whatever, just that, that um, uh, I feel like this well, is probably maybe, what every political, con- political conversation with me ever is like, where I'm like, well, you know, these are the constraints that exist, and, you know, you have to work within them. And it, it's well, sort of true. Greg, you know how when we sign up for a license, we have to pick our primary sport? Sure. Maybe. Why yeah. doesn't a part of our license fees go to that Funding that primary sport, then. Well, you know, now like, introducing that, our next guest, like, Derek Bouchard Hall. I mean, what, <laughs> what's explain. the point? What's the point of people picking a primary sport when they're picking a license if there's no way for us to support that primary sport? And I think that's part of like what Bill was saying is, you know, like a lot of there's been a lot of growth in the last ten years in cyclocross, and there's kind of no way for the license holders to really like support that. You know, like our our fees go to the national team and then the national team distributes that money in a way that I think we all can agree is kind of unfair to cyclocross athletes. I'm, I'm not so sure that so much of our, our fees are going to the national. This is yeah. now where like, we don't know yeah. maybe what we're talking about. Maybe well, it does. but I don't some think of them I do, I assume. Fees are going to the I'm not saying team. most. I'm not saying most. I'm saying a fraction. Or even much. Some, some amount of money. I don't know what that amount of money is, even if it's twenty five cents, whatever. I don't Some know. amount the, of the money. national team is not okay. a funding. National teams are not a priority of USA Cycling. I think that's what they would tell you. They're USA Cycling Federation. I don't know how it breaks down. That's more what they would do if you were to give. Uh, and I believe this is pretty much what Derek Bouchard told me. If you were to give fifty thousand dollars and just to give it to them, they would spend it. Funding the cyclocross national team would be very low on their list of where that money's going to go. If you were to say, "Here's fifty thousand dollars, it has to go there," then they will. You can earmark it, and they will 
do that. So it, it, unless you're going to get together and get a fund and give them like a bulk sum of money and say, this is where this money has to be spent. That's it's, it's not going there. So what you're saying is we have to start a Kickstarter campaign. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Bill, get on more... the Twitter. <laughs> yeah. They're kick, that's, that's the, that's where I want to, that's the hill I want to die on. Get uh, back on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, that uh, Sea Otter started in 1990 and at first was called the Laguna Seca Challenge. And then they changed the name in 93, yet they don't say why. Oh, they just say they changed the name to Sea Otter, huh? Yeah. I wish you could see the look of fascination on my face. <laughs> <laughs> and for those following along at home, that was 100% sarcasm. Yeah, no, I'm, a, I, I'm actually, I can 100% picture your, your facial expression. <laughs> at that moment i i know that uh, look <laughs> oh greg um, well i feel you know like i said i feel we've made a lot of progress we, tonight we we've got through two agenda items from our list of fifteen thousand. yeah that's true i wanted to recommend some more olympic events real quickly if you actually don't <laughs> think the olympics should die and go away or if you just like watching said... them but die seems a little violent <laughs> all right oh i'm sorry i'm wither. sorry wither sure yeah fade uh, like the cities that they go to but if you if you like if you like uh track racing if you're a matteo type person out there go check out some short track speed skating check out the relay uh, oh the mat the mass start i heard is is wild oh i'm pumped about that the long yeah. track mass start oh my god I feel like I'm gonna. It's gonna be like the first Winter Olympic event where I'm gonna watch and be like, I 100% know what's going on. I know how this works, and then I'm just gonna mansplain it to everyone within earshot about. Yeah, I mean, I think you you think disc brakes are bad, you know? Wait till you strap blades to your feet. Oh yes, (laughs) that that should actually be my new just response to the disc brake. Any disc brake argument is. well, they, they wear actual blades in ice skating, and no one has tried to outlaw them. It's totally the same thing. It's a completely legitimate comparison. Uh, it's I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. I'm I, sorry. I, I, I am. I, am. <laughs> I do. I, 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 so I, the last thing I want to do is argue about disc breaks some more. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much every Twitter suggestion I got today for this episode was entirely (laughs) useless. Somebody was like, we should talk about cameras. And I'm like, no, why would I talk about cameras? What? You realize that these are people who might be listening and might be hearing you disparaging their... uh... I mean, it's not... (laughs) I'm not attacking the person. I'm sure whoever... Like, I don't feel like looking up who made that suggestion. I'm sure they're a perfectly fine human being. And they want to hear people talk about cameras. And there's probably like an over, why you know what? No, I'm going on about this for too long. Anyway, I'm sure there's a photography podcast somewhere with a bunch of cyclists on it. Yeah, um, I think that um, Lindsay Bear had an interview with the cycling photographer, which you should check out. I don't remember which episode it was, but in the Dirtfield recordings, go in there. Uh, yeah, Snowy Mountain. That. Snowy Mountain photography. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. And so if you're interested in hearing about, you know, what goes into photographing bike races, I I think that that's the place to go for sure. Uh, Because, you know, it is it is an interesting subject, not to me, but um, 
I, I will tell uh, tell uh, Ben Keel that I, I shoot all on Sony and uh, don't know how to take still pictures on them, only video. <laughs> yeah, I use a camera from a digital camera from like seven years ago. <laughs> that's that's what I use. So I use I use I, an iPhone. Yeah, it's good. I love I it. I use a 1970s Russian lens, though. I just picked that up, Dan. It's really good. Oh yeah, uh, video wh- on it. Yeah. Which uh, was it? Uh, what call it? Which make? I can't even think of the name now. I'd have to look in my bag. I, I bet yeah. the optical was it. Was it like a? Amazing. Was it like a Jupiter or something? No, it's um. Hang on, I'm gonna get it because now we're gonna talk about cameras, Greg. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> this was the moment I was waiting for. Really you want excited. to go refill that uh, bourbon while I open up my camera bag? I oh, think my... that would be an incredibly unwise decision. I was literally trying to avoid this. No, no. Well, I so I do have, uh, I do have, I've got a couple cameras sitting in my house because I like them as objects. Uh, you know, I've got a, I've got a nineteen eighty something Canon A one, which was a relatively early digital. Uh, not a digital camera, but but one that used digital, um, what's it called, light metering and whatever. Uh, so that's pretty cool. It's got a lot of features. And I have a Kodak Retina 2 from the 50s, I want to say, which is a folding camera from the 50s. It's awesome. It looks really cool. It's It's got like a little bellows on the lens. And you can, can Dan, you, you're not engaging. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I just, I don't, I don't have, I don't. I, don't. I, I feel like I don't have, to... I don't have anything witty to say about that. I guess this Helios. It's a, it's a Helios. A Helios. Uh, okay. There we go. Right. That's there not a Russian lens that I'm familiar with. To tell you that. Soviet era. Supposedly, mm. um, yeah, some people say that there's like radiation in there. Awesome. Oh, you know what? Yeah, there was definitely um meaning what? What is a bun- this radiation? No, no, do? So, no, not radiation. The like coating the the, 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 coating oh, the coating material that they used for the lenses was like some kind of uh <laughs> it's not the same radiation that you're, like gives people cancer. It's just like the coating the way that the coating fades over the years is because the half-life of whatever element on the... You know what? Actually, never mind. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about because I didn't want to talk about cameras. God damn it. <laughs> this is just going to be... It's going to be like a slow fade to black. <laughs> My cat is just going to hit pause on this recording again because she can tell it's going downhill. <laughs> she did? Really? No. No, she didn't. I'm saying she's gonna. Oh, Oh, I put well. an anamorphic filter on there so the bokeh is more um, vertical. Why vertical bokeh? I, I feel even... like I feel like you're trolling me on a podcast. I though. feel like that can't be right. That is that a thing? Yeah. I don't I, I don't know. I, I'm but you said you don't do still images. I use it on my video. You you can bokeh. Oh man, I just it's a whole new world for of me. Of course you can. 
the aperture yeah, still look works at every, the same. Look Come at on, every Greg. dramatic look at every dramatic night shot in a movie where there's like uh, water on the streets because they have to do that, and the traffic lights are uh, you know bouncing off it, and they got this beautiful bokeh from all the city oh, lights. Oh yeah, in the I get, okay, all right, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I don't know. I just watched the movie. I'm not like look at that bokeh. It's amazing. <laughs> But this is I, the best thing ever. <laughs> we're you're you're the only one who has you're like you're like ready to go and and I'm just like I don't even know I have nowhere. I, normally I could try I to just, insert some you kind were, of you were picturing Dan's face twenty minutes ago. I'm picturing it now and I I just it just makes me laugh. He's very my angry face, Bill. My angry face. <laughs> well, I think it's this my is it's probably... my I make the same face when I look at Twitter, Bill. Well, you know, I, 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 I don't anymore. So it's good. You know, life without Twitter <laughs> is, is, uh, is actually, it keeps the blood pressure. I out. made some strategic unfollows and my mental health has dramatically improved. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, might I took it off get, my phone. I, I took Twitter and Facebook off my phone, which just means a lot of Instagram scrolling, but. I'd rather just look at skate videos at this point than than engage on Twitter. You know, maybe it's just because it's been a long and sort of odd cyclocross season that I've gotten to this point. Well, I think you have again, but... a lot of followers with a lot of opinions, and so I think that that you end up receiving a lot of those opinions. I don't have this problem as much. Yeah, the, the, it's it's more that when your opinions start. It's 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 the when they get scattered and then you get the people who are not your followers. Oh uh, yeah, come in come into play. That's that's sort of what got me got me done. Yeah, nobody really feels like reading on Twitter. That's kind of the problem. Yeah. Well, they or just like, want to stay on the website and not click through and learn. Sure, things. sure. Or they just don't feel like reading the entire thread before responding to the one segment of it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, there well, we that, go. That we is, solved Twitter. The, I, I will say that, and you know, I, I, I will sit there and make jokes to people, or have in the past on Twitter, and will have things that come across as negative. But it just seems like the 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 first response of people is to just sort of crap on things, and that that sort of just got old. Yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, it gets old fast for sure <laughs> all right well or, on that happy note yeah on that happy note twitter twitter is a terrible website and you should stay away from it <laughs> this is uh or or, or that, you know just greg uh, that's like literally our entire audience oh uh i mean twitter is a great website just you know watch out for nazis be fine. Please, please ban all the Nazis. Please, yes, Twitter, ban, ban the Nazis for for crying out loud. Uh, all right, yeah, I think that I think this show was over probably about twenty five minutes ago, uh, but we're going to end it for real now. Hey, uh, Bill, thanks so much for coming on the Honest Bicycle Program. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Uh, I'd be happy to come and uh, derail your program any 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 time you want. Oh yeah, we'd we'd love to have you. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll have my I don't people know. talk to your people. I don't know if we need any help, really. We just derail it on our own. Okay. But it Greg, was great talking you to you. Me back, that's fine. But Dan, <laughs> I guess I'll just see you around. <laughs> I'm just saying we didn't get to hang out in your basement this year, and I'm still a little mad about it. That was your decision. 
Next what? year in the basement. <laughs> Greg, you got to come to DC is what we're trying to I say. I know, I know, I know. I'll, I'll, look, the reason I didn't come this year... By, oh, uh, thank you, listeners. We love you all. Um, and and uh, we'll catch you next time on the Honest Bicycle Program. Hey, hey, Greg! Before, but b- before you do that, you could, you all could come down uh, uh, every Wednesday in March and race race in my garage races. That that seems do that. I would love to. It seems unlikely, um, but <laughs> which is not because I I wouldn't love to, but it, it's far away. Uh, so the reason is I the podcast come... over yet? Yeah, it's over. It's over. This is the after show. <laughs> Thank you. We we love you. We love you all, our listeners, and and we hope to see you again soon. Um. So anyway, my last word. Oh my Stopped god! Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. So the reason I, I really actually wanted my stopping to come recording. Down... Yeah, you can yeah, stop. Please. Recording. Okay. For the... <laughs> this was... Oh my god! Uh, I think this is my fault, though, not yours, Bill. Um, <laughs> I had a good time though, so it's all right. Uh, so this is HBP Volume Three, or well, HBP Twenty Eighteen Volume Three, but whatever, close enough. Uh, da, 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 sorry, typing. Anyway, I really wanted to come down um, this year, and and the opportunity potentially presented itself to do so, but uh, I was in a bad way uh, with the pedaling bikes, and it was just like I I don't mind coming down to DCCX and getting eighty percented, but I would like to get eighty percented with like one or two to go rather than like five to go. Yeah. Um, that seems like a waste of my time. <laughs> so, you know, that's essentially, essentially, essentially what happened. No, I, I, well, you know, I, I, I can't even say anything because, well, a, I was never racing in the that level to start with, and b, I haven't raced my bike in years. So you can just come, just come down, and hang out. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I should, I should do that. I think it would be um, a really good time. It's, it's, it's difficult for me. I'm such a homebody, you know. It's difficult to convince myself to go. It's... Well, we're all hoping you have a, a more, a smoother cross season this year, Greg. <laughs> it's about time. It's about yeah. Time. I don't need to. I don't need to be like uh, a fast guy because I know I'm never going to be a fast guy. But I would like to be like a functional human well... body. Uh, hey, Bill, are we doing a cross clinic this year? Uh, I don't know. Are you doing a cross clinic this year? I, I haven't figured it out yet. I, I'd like to do it again. I'd like to do that women's clinic again, but I also may, I don't know. We'll have to talk. Maybe you can come and help out at that because I'm losing people from that one. Mm. What do you, what do you mean you're losing people? Oh, like Dan Tilly's moving out west, and yeah. uh, okay, all right. Uh, well, you know, I'm all, I'm also probably going to do a clinic in Philly at some point. So, Greg, you know, whichever one of those you want to make make it to, you should come. Uh, yeah, give me a heads up, actually. Uh, and I, I've been meaning to come down anyway uh, to the general area. So, I you doing the it. you doing the powers one again? Uh, well, maybe if it's happening, I don't know about that one, but I did a, like my own Philly clinic two years yeah. ago and I didn't do one this year just cause with the red hook stuff, I was really busy and not in town as much, but 
uh, I don't think that's going to be as much of an issue this year because um, I don't, and this is between us three. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that London or Barcelona are going to happen this year. So. Oh. Wow. Uh, I think there's just going to be Brooklyn in April and then Milan in October. And so my summer is a lot more wide open. All right. Yeah. All right. Mostly just, you know. So uh, so we we will actually be in the country at the same time this summer at some point? I, I think so. We're not going to trade off weekends in Europe like we did last year, which was just kind of spectacularly Pretty wild. amazing. Pretty yeah, amazing. it yeah. was really funny that literally it was like every weekend that I was home, you were in Europe, and every weekend that you were home, I was in yeah. Europe. Just yeah, we're lucky. A lot of time overseas. Yeah, starting in a couple oh. weeks. Oh no, South, Af- South Africa first oh. World oh, Cup. Right. Yeah. I'm. That's cool. I have to say, I do not envy you that plane ride. So. Turkish Turkish Air. I just saw an ad for Turkish Air. <laughs> is it a is that a direct flight or? A... No, I'll be uh, hanging out in Istanbul for a little bit and then uh, heading down. That's cool. Yeah, it's not Constantinople. Yes, it's true. Have it on the Turks. <laughs> oh, shame on me! Alrighty. Uh, so yeah, give me. I'll. I'll I, I will. I'm. I'm committing now. I'm going to try and make it down to DCCX or or uh, at least something in the vicinity uh, sometime in the calendar year of 2018. Uh, but I would like to make it happen, even if I'm just hanging out. But I'm hoping to be able to race my bike without being totally. Oh, I keep losing my phone out of my pocket. Uh, without being totally, I don't know, a sad. Sad boy. I, I, again, I have faith in you, Greg. <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you guys about all the SST training I'm doing. No, let's not do that. <laughs> please, please don't. <laughs> maybe we can do a training podcast sometime. With, oh, good God. But please, maybe, maybe nah, let's not. Maybe, you know what? <laughs> Actually, here's, we could do a training podcast, but we all, there has to be like a three drink minimum. Oh, jeez. There has to be maybe more than that. It's, I don't know I think how that would gonna, be entertaining. I, no one, there's nothing less interesting than uh, the details of, of training for amateur bike racing or, or in your case, I guess, professional bike racing, but in, in my in many cases. What? what? Well, Manio races, you see, I track racing. So That's what, true. I said, That's well, I was going to say, yeah. Doesn't matter. Anyway, oh, all right. Three uh, UCI level ra- athletes. All right. In theory, two. This, this is we're so far off track as always. There's no track. The show's over. But but I should go and go to bed. So, yeah, uh, same. I have to. I have to get up at like five to drive down to Maryland for a bike swap. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me know. How so, that's that goes a good one. The, uh, let me know how that goes with your uh, Colnago or whatever. Yeah, it's uh, it. I all my stuff is priced to sell because it, like I just collect this stuff until it gets so annoying that I'll take five dollars for literally any of it, you know. So <laughs> that's my bike stop strategy: is like, my, will you give me some currency for it? Here, take it. 
one of the reasons I'm not going is because I had my uh, for that swap meet that I had gone to in the past. I had my huge crate of stuff, and I just gave it all to Taylor Jones to give to Bikes for the World because I was just sick of having it in my garage and knew I'd never make it back to the swap meet. Ah, gotcha. That's that's that might be that might be better than uh, mailing me a cyclocross bike, Dan. Um, well, one of those is funny. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. No, that's true. I, mean, I, would, I would laugh if a cyclocross bike showed up on my doorstep. I would definitely laugh. All right. So we'll see, you know. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell me if you do it. Just just just, <laughs> just mail it just to mail you. Just mail it and see what happens. And Perfect. All right. Good.